Hey, what's up, everybody? This is The Greatest Show on Dirt. Saturday, February 10th, 2018. We are approximately 13 13 days away from Major League Baseball spring training. I, for one, cannot wait. If you've been listening to the show, I'd say probably the past five shows, I've started off with a very sobering, emotional plea to time itself you know many of nights I've laid down and just prayed for a DeLorean and that could come true and I don't want to wish my days away but in the time that baseball disappears until the time it comes back that little window of purgatory I'm hurting I'm hurting on the inside I'm hurting on the outside it manifests itself in all different kinds of ways the food I eat gets worse I'm not working out I never leave the house when I go to work all I do is read about baseball news all day. Like, my livelihood's in jeopardy right now because baseball hasn't started. You should literally see the pile of papers I have on my desk. The greatest show on dirt. I am your host, Quentin. I still do have a 9-to-5 job. Um, let's face it, the baseball podcast isn't good enough to pay the bills. So this is where we're at right now. If anyone wants to sponsor the show, um, you could always let us know because, you know, what little fan base we have. They're great, and they'd probably buy your products. And I think they need plenty of consumer products. But where we're going at is this whole shindig starts. Tigers and Yankees 105. I'm looking at the schedule. You've got one, two, three, oh, one, two, three, four, eight games that start Friday, February 23rd. 105 to 110. Braves, Mets, Phillies, Blue Jays, Pirates, Rays, Nats, Astros, Twins, Red Sox, Cards, Marlins, uh, Tigers, Yankees, and Rays, Orioles. Now, of course, we're that close. And we still have a lot of MLB free agents out there that are kind of starting their own compound and they're going to do their own training. Scott Boris's clients, they're going to go train at Boris Corp. We didn't even know that was a thing, but apparently he's got a couple training facilities and they're going to go train there. And this is strange. This is strange. I'm kind of mid-debate or possibly starting a debate on Twitter just about kind of like, I don't even know if I'd necessarily call it a debate just as much as it's just trying to like figure this thing out. I'd say probably this whole offseason I've been consumed with when I'm not incessantly refreshing my web browser to see in the last 10 minutes if anything has happened. I'm trying to figure out the landscape of this and exactly what's going on. I'm I, I'm so confused on everything that's happening. Tony Clark released a statement. He didn't really release a statement just as much as he said that Major League Baseball teams, are they're having a race to the bottom in order to get that number one pick to the point where there's more people competing for the number one pick than they're competing for the World Series, Major League Baseball. They had a response to that, and it was along the lines of, that's bullcrap. You cannot put this on the teams when you've got one sports agent out there who's over-promising to his clients, essentially is what they said, and that all owners, all Major League Baseball owners are in it to compete. As if MLB said that, and unequivocally, there's no denying that fact that Major League Baseball teams are out there to compete. So how dare you, first of all, Tony Clark, do this. What I found, one of the most interesting things I found in the defense of Tony Clark was Mike Lowell is on MLB Network quite a bit. And he seemed to pretty much agree that it, or disagree with MLB's statement saying it's not. Right, that's not every owner's goal, you know. Um, it's not every MLB owner's goal to win and to compete. There are a lot of people, and he said this nearly verbatim, profit's number one. Profit has to be number one with a lot of teams. You can't, 
look at what, how the Pittsburgh Pirates mismanaged their winning window and tell me that profit, you know, that winning didn't take a backseat to profit because they never made any additions at the trade deadline to try to fortify their team, knowing that, yeah, they won 97 or 98 games, but it was still only good enough for a wild card spot. And if they could ever actually have won the division, they were two games away from winning it. And that was 2015. They won 98 games. Cardinals won 100. You know, they're just teams out there not doing things. So when I look at this, right, and I want to analyze, we've got two sides here. You've got players saying that the teams are doing them wrong. Uh, union officials, Tony Clark, saying that, hey, these guys are not all about winning. The owners aren't. All the owners want to do is make money. Whereas, you know, when you start to have talks about where's the revenue sharing money going and the union's going to start to file complaints and all of a sudden you have this back and forth of who's right and who's wrong because the union and the players are like, oh, no, the teams are all about profit. Then you've got MLB owners saying, well, we've got data on our side and you're not looking so good, right? They're... There are a lot of doubts in this free agent marketplace right now. Listen, everyone's been the fan of a team or been the fan of any sport, and when a contract gets signed of a big player, you shake your head and go, yeah, well, that's stupid. So a few years ago when Albert Pujols wasn't re-signed by the St. Louis Cardinals, I don't think Cardinals fans were really up in arms because of the amount of money he wanted and there was a market for him, and it wasn't crazy to say that the Cardinals really aren't going to pay that because he was already on the downside before he left St. Louis and really hasn't produced, save one season, anything that's been magical in L.A. So we've all sat on the sidelines and been, you know, general managers from our couch. And now, you know, I've been the GM on my toilet for so long that my legs go numb. So (laughs) these conversations are fun to have. But at the end of the day, what the hell do we know, right? But we've all been like, judged you know teams decisions on signing a player long term and you want to say they're washed up you know I had a huge problem with the Red Sox giving David Price all of that money because I mean obviously you couldn't predict that his regular seasons were going to go as bad as what they are David Price was never a good postseason pitcher and that's why I didn't like that to begin with so I sat on my couch and said that's a stupid idea why would you sign him to that much money that's crazy It really was, too, and it's kind of fulfilling that promise. So when you look at the Boston Red Sox, and you can look at Boston and J.D. Martinez and go, okay, I'm a Red Sox fan. Let's pretend I'm a Red Sox fan. I have to really preface with I'm not a Red Sox fan. My wife, being from Long Island, she'll leave me in a heartbeat if, you know, I was, so being a short story, here's a quick aside. When I'm from Southern Illinois, and I've always been a Cubs fan, but my brother, he is a Cardinals fan. Now, me being the just avid baseball watcher that I am, many times I've went to Cardinals games, and the Cardinals aren't playing the Cubs. I like, oh, because I want to see baseball. And where I lived, it was only two hours away. Well, when the Cardinals and the Red Sox were playing in the World Series, I bought a Red Sox hat. Now, my asshole brother let that slip to my wife that, oh, do you know Quentin bought a Red Sox hat? And it was like Red Sox gay. I had to talk myself out of just, like, not getting slashed with a knife, Long Island Italian wife that I have. It's just like something from The Sopranos where I thought, you know, I was going to be swimming with the fishes or they were just going to bury my body in a new concrete slab at a new development that they have. But um, if you look at the Red Sox and J.D. Martinez, I don't know where the hell I was going with that story. You can go two ways on that, right? Like, look at the moves that the Yankees made. 
right? So I'm a Red Sox fan, and if I look at what the Yankees have done, I'm like, well, holy crap, because they've always consistently and, oh, my God, very successfully fortified their pitching staff, and they've done... Brian Cashman has done things. He's like this free agent trade whisperer. He's the ultimate chess player. You know, if he's sitting outside a Cracker Barrel and you want to play him at checkers in a rocking chair, he's, he's going to whoop your butt. And he's doing it with the signings and the trades that he's done. Um, I mean, holy crap. Like, he somehow ended up with Glaber Torres and then Aroldis Chapman again, David Roberts and Tommy Canely, Sonny Gray. And they still have a lot of prospects still coming up. I don't know how it's happened, but I love the way they're doing it because I love what the Yankees have done because they built it honest. They built it without stripping everything down. They have the money to do that. Um, but they're also playing with their smarts and not with their money, and that's pretty refreshing. And you've got the Boston Red Sox, who were next to last in all of Major League Baseball and home runs. And you've got J.D. Martinez, okay? So you're staring. I'm going to adjust my mic. My apologies. If... You're looking at your team, and you say, well, we finished last in home runs, and if we're going to make the playoffs or win the division, we've got to go through the New York Yankees, and they just added Giancarlo Stanton. They're going to hit for a lot of power and get on base. They have a lot of versatile guys on that team. You take down their one through nine, and six of them, six of them could be all-stars this year, and I don't even know if that's including Glaver Torres. There are a lot of studs on this team. I mean, a guy like Greg Bird can hit a baseball and still has upside. So... What you're left with now is the rumor mill has just, and it's rumors, we don't know anything, but, you know, there's been word that the Red Sox have offered J.D. Martinez five years at $125 million. But the other reports that say it was only 110 Now, and I, I feel like I read a report recently that said it was only 110 and that it was not a $125 million deal. And at this point, the Red Sox risk J.D. Martinez signing short-term with the Arizona Diamondbacks and missing out on him for the 2017 season. And much of this debate has around to do with teams' profitability. Fangraphs has an article, and I read it maybe a few weeks ago, but I think the article was published last year, and it talks about the trend, which could be a bit alarming, that speaks of overall MLB revenues increasing, but players' share of that revenue decreasing, meaning players are getting paid less. And I believe this season is set to where we're about to see the average player salary actually drop from the previous year, and that doesn't happen often, I believe. The last time it did happen, where you had the average player salary drop from a season to season, might have been around the strike year, possibly. I'm not 100% sure. But what I'm saying is that doesn't happen often, it's set to happen this year, being a Red Sox fan. If <clears throat> Here's where you're at. The window for a team to win, one, that window is very volatile, and two, that window could close at any moment, right? If you look at <clears throat> the Pittsburgh Pirates, it almost seems like their window kind of closed abruptly. I would have thought it closed way too fast when you had a team in 2015 that was a 98-win team that had 19-game winner Garrett Cole, and then all of a sudden to see them in 2017 being just an irrelevant team, that's probably a bit shocking because, hey, the Cubs won 103 games the year they won the World Series. Are they going to win like 70 this year? It, it is. It's very volatile, you know, and more so to that point, you can look at the Minnesota Twins losing 100, maybe 103 games in 2016, then making the playoffs in 2017, and believe it or not, getting to Luis Severino in the first inning where you were like, whoa, Astros could win this game. 
But, you know, we saw that the Yankees were too deep. So this game can go any which way possible. And I do find it alarming that a team would sit back and in to preserve their definition of profitability would leave a guy on the table to go somewhere else when there's a glaring need for him when he's a guy that if you add him, your team could be really one piece away from keeping up with your division rival, making it back to the playoffs. And then when you're in the playoffs, every anything goes. You know, I don't know how many years the Red Sox have of Chris Sale control, but they've got David Price, who can pitch well, Chris Sale, Drew Pomerantz. They've got good starting rotation. They can build up their bullpen. I mean, they've got Craig Kimbrell, who's a monster. He does that little arm thing, that red ginger. He's a beast to close a game. There are things that it looks like the Red Sox are doing in the name of profitability and not in the name of winning that makes you wonder, like, what the hell's really going on here? Because, and we could be judging this too early, but the problem I'm going to have is on opening day, if J.D. Martinez is buttoning up an Arizona Diamondbacks jersey on a one-year $25 million deal and not in Boston for five at 125 or five at more than 125 therefore, then you see the Red Sox holding on to their window to win and maybe delaying it another year because nothing tells me that the Red Sox can go to the postseason and have success. The past two years, they haven't, and all they've done this year is re-sign Mitch Moreland and lose a bunch of guys, pitching guys out of the bullpen. They had picked up Addison Reed, I think, at the trade deadline last year, and he's somewhere else. And it's it's a bit alarming that you've got teams that that don't look like they're doing what they could to win. You know, I don't know if... The Red Sox could do more, right? I um, it, It's beginning to get to the point where it is glaringly obvious that teams are pressing the pause button on winning because they're more concerned with profits and that the trend of overall MLB revenue going up but players getting less of a percentage of that that's alarming, right? Some people will tell you, well, I mean, the owners have to make money. Like, the players just can't get paid a gazillion dollars to play baseball. Like, players are greedy, right? Go ahead and say it. Maybe players are greedy in this situation. How much does Jake Arrieta want, right? Jake Arrieta's not a spring chicken. This isn't 2014-2015 Arrieta you're about to sign. This is a guy that doesn't throw 97 anymore, and he's not going to be your guy. But here's my thing. I do not care what Jake Arrieta was. At all. But what Jake Arrieta is now is a guy that the Angels could sign, the Brewers could sign, that any team could sign that could be that piece to get you to the playoffs. Because in Major League Baseball, in any given year, your team can go to the playoffs and make a run. Just ask Florida Marlins teams of yesteryear, ask the Minnesota Twins of last year, when you've got wildcard teams like the Royals and the Giants going to the World Series, anything is possible. And it frustrates me to no end as a fan to wonder, are these MLB owners just stuffing their pockets with revenue sharing money? And on top of that, I believe every Major League Baseball team gets $50 million of free cash this year 
for the sale of BAMTech, which is the multimedia service that Major League Baseball is selling to Disney, which means every Major League Baseball team is getting a free $50 million this year, right? That's the equivalent of your grandma giving you a birthday card with 100 bucks in it, right? But And then you just go blow it on a bunch of crap. Like, grandma's giving you $50 million, Boston. So if you've got J.D. Martinez and he's like, guys, I'm not going to sign it five for 125. Well, guess what, pal? Grandma gave you $50 million. If you got to give him half of it or use that 50 to sign him for another two so he still gets his AV at 25, but maybe it averages out to seven, you have to do it. What are we supposed to do as fans? You know, you've got Pittsburgh fans that are forever scorned because during their runs into the wild card in their playoff runs, their owner... Bob Nutting is a nutcase and didn't add anything to the puzzle, and they never made it that far. They couldn't do anything. And that's always going to be my number one thing. So you can preach to me profitability in Major League Baseball teams, how players are being greedy in this and that. There are undeniable things in this equation, things that are undeniable. One of those is baseball players being why we come to the ballpark. I never went to the baseball game to be like, holy crap, if I see Tom Ricketts in the stands, I'm going to lose it. No, I don't care if I see Tom Ricketts. I don't turn on the TV and buy this $150 MLB network package to like watch Tom Ricketts in a box. I don't care. What makes the sport are the players, right? They're the players, okay? And if... Players, you've you've got players make the game. So unfortunately, teams, you're going to have to pay the players what it takes to get them to come to your team. And for Boston or any team for that matter to be like, not worth it. We're going to move on and just not have him. And then your team be weaker because of it. Listen, owners, if Major League Baseball is just not profitable enough for you, maybe you should pick a different avenue. Like, maybe you should open up a pie shop or a watermelon stand. I don't know. Go into Bitcoin. I hear that's a huge thing. Like, do something else. Because if your number one goal is money and that's, and then you're not signing players because, oh, we're just, you know, we've got stakeholders that, and I promised them, like, this sort of money and I really need to make money. Like, but the team will contend, right? So that should probably be good enough. Don't you dare leave anything on the table because you want to make a little bit more money because you're defining profitability, right? Like define profit for me, right? What's enough profit? What's enough profit for these rich owners? What is it? Is it enough? Is it not enough if they sign a big player to hopefully make it further into the postseason and possibly a World Series and then they make a little bit less money? Is that not enough? Are these guys already million billion? Are these guys not already millionaires, right? When you know... You buy a Major League Baseball team, guess what, owners? You're taking a back seat to the guys that play this game. You are. And when Scott Boris says that you've got all these teams not contending and Tony Clark saying you have all these teams racing to the bottom, that hurts the game of baseball. It hurts the game of baseball. It was Justin Turner that tweeted it a couple days ago. And, you know, I can get you the exact tweet if you give me about 15 seconds. But it was somewhere along the lines of, Major League Baseball teams, it's their duty to put the best players on the field and to put the competition on the field. And for them not to do that, it's a travesty. It's not good for the game. If I can find it here, possibly not. I might just have to pause this thing for a second. Having two Twitter accounts is rough. But 
Justin Turner had a pretty good point because when you have big free agents right now sitting at home, you're not putting the best competition on the field. And then on top of that, if you're the Boston Red Sox and you know for you to compete, you need to add, but you're not doing it because your team's good enough and you need the money to like make, I don't agree with it, right? Here's what we've got. Justin Turner's tweet. If the true goal of Major League Baseball is to capture the interest of fans, having the best product on the field every night should be the priority. If the best players aren't out there... It doesn't matter how long a game is. Our fans, this is it. This is it, my friends. Our fans deserve to see the best of the best playing for championships. And instead of seeing the best of the best playing for championships, the Red Sox could possibly let J.D. Martinez go. And in in, in all in the name of profitability, he could go somewhere else. And this isn't just about the Red Sox, but you can point to the Pittsburgh Pirates. I could even get into the Miami Marlins because... The Miami Marlins needed pitching, right? Miami Marlins had the best outfield in all of baseball. JT Realmuto, a great catcher. Justin Bohr, who plays first. D. Gordon at second. A phenomenal team that was literally just shy of pitching. Look at the pitching market right now. And in Jeter's defense, he's kind of like, well, we got to gut this thing because the team is a sinking ship and not making any money. I'll tell you this right now. Marlins ownership, Derek Jeter, what would have been your best play in that situation? Would it have been to sell off like you did now? Or would it be for you to come in, Derek Jeter, use your star power and your influence to really talk to the fans, throw short-term profit and loss aside and say, we're going to add pitching and we are going to give Miami Marlins fans what they've never had, which is an ownership group that supports the win column in the win-loss column, and not just selling off in the name of profits. I get that short-term to go out and maybe sign Lance Lynn and Hugh Darvish could have been bad over the next like two to three years for the Miami Marlins. But one, I don't think they would have went under. And two, what would that have done to that fan base? Could it have created a lot more fanfare? Could not have created a pretty decent amount of revenue or, yeah, a pretty decent amount of money coming in in the short term to where if you come in at the beginning of that baseball season and make a statement and go, holy crap, did you just see what, what Derek Jeter's doing to the Marlins? Let's all go to the ballpark. And then at that point, you sign some guys and then you maybe take, you know, a few hiccups. And here's what I'm saying. You may be listening to this and going, well, signing you Darvish and Lance Lynn for five, seven years a pop. That's not going to work, right? Nobody wants to sign those guys for five or seven years. That's why they're still free agents. So when you're in a market that is, when you're in a market that favors the teams over the players and there are pitchers that are free agents and your team just needed pitching, one, you messed up. And then two, I think they should have been like, went in, made a statement for the now. And then if they really had to tear down and rebuild, say next year, or the year after that, fans would be like, hey, we're okay with this because we know they're in it to win it because they took an initial loss. The Marlins have been losing money for years. What's the difference if you lose it for two more? It's because 
these guys that came in and bought this team with Derek Jeter, they want the profit. They want it now. They have no interest in a long-term investment of rebuilding the team to put a winning product on the field. No, you know what they do? They don't talk to scouts. They don't do anything other than sit in office, unfold their briefcases, look at their profit and loss columns and say, how can we make money? What's this going to do? Ship all these guys out because I need the money right now because how the fans and the players might look at a World Series winning team that has a window to win and players and fans say, hey, the window's now. We need to jump on it. Guess what? Owners have a profit window and that profit window is now and let me get it. And that's what it is. This is the greatest show under. This was intended to really kind of be a pre-show to figure out what we might get in depth with. I think I might have a guest later on tonight. I'm not too sure. I've kind of just, you know, talked to fans on Twitter and stuff like that. Not fans of my show, just baseball fans. Um, and I do love to talk baseball, but it's really been a while since I've kind of just had an opportunity to, you know, run this ship stag. Um, I am, though, getting through the offseason slowly but surely. I've started making dozens of trips to Target, and this is what we're about to do right now. Um, I thought it might be a fun way to look at the possibilities of the 2018 season, starting with a pack of baseball cards. So what I've been doing is me and my wife went on a date last night, and after the date, I said, hey, wife, do you want to go to Target? Now, if you tell a woman, if you ask her, do you want to go to Target and you show some interest in it, you're the best human being ever because – if you can, you take your girl to Target and you've got her wrapped around your finger, her eyes lit up like a child on Christmas Day, like the star on top twinkles. She looked at me and said, yes, honey, I want to go to Target. But every time I go to Target with her, I get a pack of baseball cards. It's like Pavlov. It's like the Pavlov thing on that episode of The Office where Jim's giving Dwight gum and he rings the bell. And all of a sudden, it's like Dwight's like, I have a really bad taste in my mouth. Because each time the dinging happens, Jim gives him a piece of gum. Well, that's what I'm doing with baseball cards. So when I hear the word target, like my hands start to move, the veins in my arms come out, statistics and home run numbers and league leaders and the scent of old baseball cards, it gets in my head. And then I go into target with my wife. She goes to like the chick stuff and I go straight to the aisle with the Pokemon cards and I look and I find a set of tops. 2018 series one baseball cards we won't start video on the podcast until probably when we get into the new studio which will be into april mid-may so we're gonna have to do this strictly audio but i'm gonna crack open a set of baseball cards checking my mic sorry guys and we're gonna see what we got right now so this is probably the third pack of 2018 i bought this year we've got on the top i got nick markakis he's a brave the Braves were recently voted, I think, number one farm system in all of baseball. I hope that they recover from the debacle they had. It's, it's fun to watch baseball when the Braves are good. What can I say? They've got a lot of studs. I think the number two prospect, Ronald Acuna. Um, Shohei Otani was number one in baseball perspectives, top 100. Uh, Ronald Acuna was number two. Braves could be doing big things. Ah, Jorge Polanco, shortstop for the Twins. The Twins have made you Darvish an offer. This is like improv for baseball. Um, the Twins, I think, are going to push to get you, Darvish. So Irvin Santana is going to be out for 8 to 12 weeks. He had finger surgery. Um, the Twins got a good team they're working with. They need to add pitching, and I think they're going to make more of a run at you, Darvish, which 
and I hope that we're all judging the MLB free agency stuff. I hope we're judging it a little too early because I read an article where Scott Boris talked about having all these big um, trade chips on the market that it's put all of the free agent signing stuff probably about six or so weeks behind. So it's really crazy for us to dive in and judge this stuff before it's over because to hear Scott Boris, he doesn't seem really worried about it. He's saying that, well, this whole thing's just behind because when you had the Marlins unloading good players and then the Pittsburgh Pirates unloading good players, well, that's going to obviously set the free agent market back because, you know, when you've got guys that still could be on the trading block as like Chris Archer, if there's a chance I can get Chris Archer and not have to sign Lance Lynn or Jake Arrieta, well, I'll take Archer because if you compare Archer and Jake Arrieta, Chris Archer's younger Chris Archer is like a Jose Quintana type who's very consistent that can give you good ERA and a good amount of innings year after year, and I'll get him at a much better value. At that point, to have that sort of outlook, that's best for your fan base, and that is the better decision, and I hope that's what's happening. You know, always, I I definitely probably have, my overall concern is always with the health of the game, the fans, and then the players. That's what I care about most, um, and until this free agency thing's really over, you, you can't judge it too early and say this is collusion or this is this or this is that. Yeah, the CBA has its flaws, um, but I still really hope that the teams make the right decisions. And hopefully Scott Boris is right in saying that, hey, the free agency market's just behind a little bit because all these trade chips. I read an article a few days ago, Ken Rosenthal wrote on The Athletic, and he had talked to Dave Dombrowski, and even Dave said, hey, I've never had this many calls about guys that were available for trade in the off season. So we have to exhaust all of those options first before we really get into the free agent market. And when you look at the free agent market, I can do all this ranting in the world, but the Red Sox haven't lost out on JD Martinez yet. It ain't over. All of these teams are monitoring what's happened or what's currently happening. There's not a lot of push right now from teams to sign. So therefore every team can sit back and evaluate the trade market, and evaluate the free agency market a little slower. So we really don't need to talk a whole lot of collusion until opening day happens, and then we can assess the whole situation. Um, next on my list, let's go with, well, I've got Eduardo Nunez, Red Sox. We've talked a ton of Red Sox. Bruce Maxwell, the catcher that kneeled, also got arrested, I think, for a DUI and waving a gun at his girlfriend. Uh, something like that. Koji Uehara, ooh, he was a Cub. I talk a ton about the Cubs. So I probably won't talk about him on this podcast. But the very first pack of Tops 2018 I opened had a Kyle Schwarber top. Or excuse me. It had a Kyle Schwarber card on the very top. The first pack I opened. And to me, I think that was a sign. I think it was an omen. Kyle's getting yoked. He's training like Rocky before fighting Ivan Drago in Russia. It's a big deal. Cesar Hernandez, second baseman for the Phillies. Hunter Renfro for the Padres. The Padres. Might kind of be a favorite to get Eric Hosmer. It looks like them and the Royals are really going to be the teams that are going to go after him. Um, not much on that yet. You know, I really went through the questions in my head about whether I thought the Royals should re-sign Eric Hosmer. We'll save that for the second part of this. I do think the Royals should re-sign Eric Hosmer. I know that's going to cost the Royals a lot of money. Um, but I'm still up in the air on that because... It could really hamstring that small market Royals team if they end up having to sign Eric Hosmer for an eight or nine year deal. That I think's a little unfair for him to want nine years. 
Um, I think. But we don't know where Hosmer's going to go. If I had to pick, I'd say he wouldn't go back to the Royals. I'm up in the air on whether they should sign him. Because I really dig Major League Baseball teams that keep their guys that have really built up the baseball scene in that area. I do not like that Andrew McCutcheon's not a pirate anymore. I don't like that they dealt him. He really helped to reinvigorate the game in that area, and I kind of feel that way. I feel like Eric Hosmer is this Anthony Rizzo type, and not just in the sense that they're lefties and play first base, but they're the real leaders on the team, and I think they're leaders in the city. And I, for that reason, because Eric Hosmer is such a leader and would be so good for that city in terms of baseball, I, I think it requires a really close look beyond the numbers and beyond the data and more so of the person what Eric Hosmer does for the city in regards to baseball and what he does for the clubhouse to decide if you want to keep Eric Hosmer or not. Because I think he could be worth the money if they can agree on something reasonable. Um, and I'm not here defining what reasonable is. I'm not saying that reasonable is paying Hosmer less or giving him less years than he wants. But if it could be figured out, I would be all for the Royals re-signing Eric Hosmer because I think he does so much beyond data and beyond the numbers. Love him for a baseball town. I got a Mike Clevenger in here. You got a Harrison Bader. I think he is a rookie. Oh, this is a Harrison Bader rookie card. St. Louis Cardinals. Apparently, he's a stud outfielder that will probably play this year. <clears throat> Avi Garcia, league leaders for the White Sox. We will talk about the White Sox rebuild. And I wonder, it's pretty, it's almost a definition now to say, oh, is this team going to be the 2015 Cubs? Because... You've got teams that are doing the rebuild process, and all of a sudden they get good, and sometimes it's a little earlier than what we thought they were going to get good at. And I wonder if this year the, the Red Sox couldn't be the 2015 Cubs where all of a sudden post-All-Star break they're getting hot, and you've got guys like Michael Kopech pitching going. You know, Michael Kopech, Lucas Giolito, Carlos Rodon coming back, you know, because he's rehabbing the injury now. I think he's already started to pitch now. And you got these guys starting to get called up, and, I wouldn't be surprised, and we'll dive into it later on an episode, maybe later this weekend, about what we think the Sox will do. But I'm curious to see how Avi Garcia's 2018 is going to be because there's a lot of disbelief in the 2017 that he had because he had a really weird average. He had a really weird BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play, because it just seems like if he was hitting stuff, his BABIP was higher than normal, and there wasn't really any reason for it. So there's some speculation that Avi Garcia's 2017 could have just been luck. Uh, but I know when he was in Detroit, they called him Little Miggy, because they, he was reminded of, uh, he reminded people of Miguel Cabrera. Sorry, I had to get a drink. Um... Next on the list, Nolan Arenado, league leaders. That's to go with the Avi Garcia league leader card I had because Avi Garcia was second in AL batting average at 330. And to go back to that, yeah, wouldn't be surprised if the White Sox play above 500 ball this year, really close to 500. Nolan Arenado, can I tell you this right now? When I'm on Twitter and anyone ever has a conversation about who's best at third base, it gets so destructive and mean. Like, it goes 0 to 100, like, super, super quick. Quicker than Drake ever said when people say, if anyone how dare you says Chris Bryant is the best third baseman in all of baseball, people lose their mind over Nolan Arenado. They really stick up for the guy, and I love it. Man, you got to stick up for your players, just like guys are sticking up for Larry Walker right now and how he should be in the Hall of Fame. I got a Trey Turner, shortstop for the Nats. 
The Nats, um, boy, I hope they do better this year than they did last year. Uh, league leaders, Charlie Blackman. Do we want to talk about the Nationals for a second? I mean, I think they're looking great for 2018. This is Bryce Harper's uh, walk year. Um, they're going to have guys coming back ready to play. They'll have Adam Eaton for the whole entire year. And then you've got a good starting rotation in Scherzer, Gio Gonzalez, Steven Strasburg. And, you know, if the Nationals move on a pitcher and go above the luxury tax, I think that's still possible because the market, I think, is driving the cost of these pitchers down, and that might end up how it plays. I know there was a rumor maybe a few months ago, that's how long these guys haven't been signed, was that they could possibly be looking at Arietta, But it wouldn't, it wouldn't be crazy for... And I don't think it would be ill-advised either because I like guys like Lance Lynn and Alex Cobb. I, I really like Lance Lynn. I think Lance Lynn can be had for a good price, and I would love to see Lance Lynn go to the Washington Nationals. I think it'd be a great move. I don't think it would cost you as much as Arietta or Darvish, obviously. And Lance Lynn can be productive. He's pitched in the postseason with some success, and he can give you innings. He's got good stuff. I've done some research on him. That makes me a pro, right? I have Google just like everybody. I like Lance Lynn going to the Nats. Charlie Blackman, he was a league leader. He was third in National League home runs at 37, behind Bellinger at 39, and Giancarlo at 59. Oh, the league leader for Nolan Arenado was RBIs. He was second to Giancarlo's 132. Nolan had 130. I love going through baseball cards. This is the best thing ever. Oh, I got a league leader, Aaron Judge. And obviously, that's AL home runs at 52. I bought three packs of tops this year, and I've got three Aaron Judge cards. I couldn't be more excited to what this guy's, to what Aaron Judge's 2018 could look like. So you saw a 2017 Aaron Judge that came out of the gate hotter than four-alarm chili. I'm talking like hot tamales hot. And he slumped after the All-Star break, but what... Here's what makes here's what makes great hitters. Great hitters' ability to adjust. So a few weeks ago, I talked about Andrew McCutcheon and his offense dropping, and how that could be a product of him simply being attacked differently by pitchers, and not being able to adjust as quick as what other guys could do. And I think that's what really makes a good hitter is their ability to adjust to different looks. The pitchers start giving them the scouting report gets out on a guy. We know what he likes. We know what he doesn't like. You know, you got the the great Hambino Sandlot saying, I like him low and outside, just like I like it. Well, people find out what these guys like. And Aaron Judge, I think, is going to be a great hitter. Now, obviously, that's not a hot take. But there are guys that hit 50 home runs and then probably didn't do it again. Remember that year Brady Anderson hit 50 home runs? And you can look at the back of any baseball card, and I like to call it like the baseball card year. So you can dig in a pack of 91 tops. And the first name that came to mind was Kevin Moss. Kevin Mass, M-A-A-S. He was a Yankees guy, Yankees outfielder, I think. And his rookie year, he came up and played about maybe half the season and put up crazy home run numbers. And you would have looked at that, and it was similar to maybe what Gary Sanchez and Kyle Schwarber did the first half seasons or whatever they came up to the bigs. But then he dropped off right after that, and he was nothing. So you might not know him unless you dig through old 90s baseball cards or you're a Yankees fan. So, I mean, yeah, it's not a hot take to say that. I think Aaron Judge is going to be a great hitter. But what's going to make Aaron Judge really, really good is his ability to adjust to what pitchers are giving him, right? Remember a couple years ago, Mike Trout couldn't hit a high fastball? He adjusted. 
he's a great hitter. We see it, and that's why his war is like 55 right now, and he's got like 15 more seasons to play of Major League Baseball. And that's what Aaron Judge is really good at, and he was able... When a guy can adjust midseason, and in really Aaron Judge's case, like the last third of the season, and become productive again, you got a great hitter at that point. He slumped after the All-Star break, made adjustments, came out of it, ended up with 52 home runs, and that adjustment right there, that you know you have a very, very intelligent baseball player because compare him to Kyle Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber comes into the next year like he did last year and slumps, but he can't get out of it like a guy like Judge did, like a guy like Trout did. And that's why I can sit here and make this comparison of Judge and Trout as being great hitters, and I don't care how many times Judge strikes out, but when you have a guy that can make adjustments just like that, I can't snap, but I tried, you got a great hitter. Uh, Can't wait for Judge's 2018. I really can't. Next on my list, we've got Luis Gajara, a Braves rookie. Ah, We don't have the research department to figure out how good he is. I apologize. A Legends in the Making Aaron Judge card. Man, they're really giving me Aaron Judge cards. Brandon Finnegan, Kansas City Royals product. Travis Yarnod. How do you say his last name? I never really knew. (laughs) He's a Met. I don't really watch Mets baseball. Corey Knable. Got two of those cards. Washington Nationals team card. Corey Knable, the Milwaukee Brewers. The Milwaukee Brewers can add another pitcher and win the NL Central. (laughs) I'm a Cubs fan, and it can happen. Um, curious to see what they do if they can move on someone like Darvish or Arietta. I would probably look for them to go more Arietta than Darvish, I think, because that's maybe what they'll be able to afford. And, I mean, that'd be a huge power move to steal the ace of the NL Central champion and use him on your team to win the NL Central. I could see it, and I could see the team playing with the chip on their shoulder, and I could see Jake pitching just that way in that division saying, you didn't want me, they did, and look at the numbers I'm going to put up. And I would, I could almost say that Jake Arrieta, if he signs with any team and has his best season, it'd be with the Milwaukee Brewers because of that reason of being an in-division guy. Jack Flaherty, a stud pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals pitching prospect. That is my next guy. On the back of his, his minor league pitching record, Jack Flaherty, stellar pitching prospect for the St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals got a few of them. He pitched in the minors last year, 148 and two-thirds, 14 and 4, Bucko 4 whip, 218 ERA. He pitched great in the minors last year. He played at Springfield and Memphis. Check Flaherty be a good prospect. Uh, Jimmy Sherfy, rookie card. We don't know who he is. That's for a Diamondback. Yang Ver Solarte. I think he might have got traded. Michael Fulmer. Well, Michael Fulmer. Let's talk about Fulmer getting traded. I haven't heard anything about that in a while. Corey Dickerson, I believe Corey Dickerson is not a free agent. I wonder if the Rays will trade him. His, I read an article last year about Corey Dickerson's love for baseball bats. And uh, who was it that Corey Dickerson used to play in Colorado, right? He did. He was a Rocky. And I think Nolan Arenado, in this piece that somebody wrote on ESPN, was talking about how Corey Dickerson was so stingy with bats. And Corey Dickerson would always, like, be around the clubhouse. And I think one time he asked Nolan Arenado to look at a bat. Nolan's like, yeah, take the bat and try it out, man. And Corey Dickerson was so pumped because he loves, he collects baseball bats and he loves them. I mean, he's like Pedro Serrano of baseball bats where, like, he just sits in front of his locker and, like, cherishes the baseball bat and, you know, just puts pine tar on it with, like, just the most careful, 
like controlled effort. And then Nolan Arenado asked him about one of his baseball bats. And Corey's like, I don't have enough baseball bats to give you, man. When Corey's got like 50 million baseball bats and Nolan had already given him a baseball bat. He's stingy with bats and I love it. He's a scientist of baseball bats, my friend. Josh Reddick, Andrew Kashner, free agent. I think he'll be had for cheap and I think he could really make the difference in the back end of a rotation. So Andrew Kashner last year, 166 innings. 11 and 11 with a 340 ERA, 1.9 war, and a buck 32 whip. I wouldn't be surprised if he improves on those numbers a little bit, but I definitely think Andrew Kashner won't pitch worse than what he did last year, which tells me that if a team signs him, they're going to get a guy, they can throw 160 to 180, that'll have an ERA below three and a half, and he'll be productive. That's what I think. Chesslor Cuthbert, that is a Kansas City Royals guy. It's not a rookie card. I have no idea who he is. Jose Batista is a free agent. Just got one of him. Carlos Rodon. I got a Carlos Rodon card. My man. I look for him to have a great 2018. Is 2017. He only got to throw 69 innings on the south type to the tune of a 415 ERA. He's a hard thrower. He's still having to rehab through those injuries. The last season he pitched with the Sox was to a 404 ERA, 2.7 war, over 165 innings, 1.39 whip. He, he can be an ace, and he's got huge potential. He was uh, the White Sox' first pick in the 2014 draft. He is a North Carolina kid, went to, I believe, NC State. I got a Starling Marte, man. Eh, whatever, dude. Just uh, flush those steroids out of your system quick. And last but not least, I got a John Lackey. Now, John Lackey, nobody really knows if John Lackey's going to play this year. I think him and Kevin Millar went to a... Uh, Kim Kevin Millar have just been hanging out a lot, man. I think kicking back some beers on the golf course, those sorts of things. And I think if you sign John Lackey, I think you're getting a good clubhouse guy. But he gave up a jazillion home runs last year. 459 ERA. That's probably the highest ERA John Lackey's had maybe ever in his career. But John Lackey's just living the life in Texas. He's going to college bowl games. He's hitting the golf course. You know John Lackey's probably a drinker, so he's drinking a pretty decent amount. John Lackey's a guy that likes to have fun, and I think you should put him in your clubhouse for it. John Lackey can be had for cheap. And John Lackey should be a guy that maybe the Phillies go after. You know, any team with a young pitching staff, maybe the Phillies, maybe the Brewers. I don't know. If you need a good inning eater, Lackey will give it to you. But Lackey, if he had a 459 ERA last year, he's bound to give you three and a half this year. He really is. I'd love to see him go to Philly. I think he'd be great for the clubhouse. Young pitching staff up there. Guy like Aaron Nola. If Aaron Nola needs a guy to look up to, look up to John Lackey, my friends. We've just opened up a pack of baseball cards. You went through it with me, kid. 46 minutes. This is a baseball rant. I'm going to go and end it here. And until next time, guys, thanks for listening to The Greatest Show on Dirt. How do I hit pause? i got to stop this thing. All right. You listen to the show. Thanks, guys.